Hopefully we'll be sharing this later with other folks that can attend because it's gonna be so good. Um, some of you have wondered if you haven't heard the story of Success Clues, why Success Clues? Well, um, successful people do certain things and success does leave clues. And um, part of what this series is designed to do is to get at some of those clues from some successful agents like our first guest of honor, the amazing and talented Clarissa Marshall, my sponsor, mentor, friend, uh, rock star buddy in Asheville. So nice to have you be my first guest on hey. Clues. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you guys. She is broadcasting live from her lovely home office, which is brighter and lighter than my lovely home office. Um, and I also have Maggie Dog behind me here, who, who may announce any squirrels. Uh -huh. I'll mute myself quickly if that happens. Uh, but uh, this is just going to kind of be an interview format. We're going to hit a little discussion Q&A that I'll lead for at least the first 30 minutes or so. And then we'll open up to questions from the audience after that. Um, so I know you'll be being recorded, if that's okay. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that <clears throat> Clarissa and I talked earlier in the week, because I hadn't really heard her whole story of getting started in the business. And I was actually shocked and astounded that she's really only been in the business on her own three years, um, which is pretty incredible uh, stuff. And so going back, uh, you know, Clarissa with eXp Realty, um, as am I. There may be other folks watching this later or joining us that are with other uh, brokerages. You're welcome to join and to invite friends, eXp and friends uh, as well. And so um, thank you for muting yourself as well uh, until we open the Q&A a little bit later in the hour. Um, so it's good to see everyone joining us here. And so a lot of you guys probably don't know how Clarissa got her start in this awesome real estate career that has been amazing and rocking. And so it'd be good to hear, were you born in real estate, Clarissa? No, um, I ended up getting my license um, right before we bought a bar, actually. I was a bartender. So then of course, when I bought the bar, I, I was licensed, but I never joined a firm, never became active. Then I actually let my license go inactive. So I had a lot of work to do. Oh get back to a place in 2017 where I could actually sell real estate. So I didn't go back into it until after we had sold the bar and I worked as a store manager at White House Black Market for a couple of years and then dove right in. Wow. And so you actually did like I did and let your license expire once. And I basically said, if I let it expire once, I'll never do it again. Yeah, it was awful. I, so I don't think it expired. There's a difference. It just went inactive, but maybe it expired. I, I remember I do literally hours of um, you know, different CE things as punishment and different, uh, all these updates and everything. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of classes. If you, if you, it's like, Whoa, I had to go, I had to retake some of the classes again to be able to get back in. And so what, uh, where, where did you get your start in real estate then at that point? So I joined Keller Williams as an individual agent and worked as an individual agent for, um, from July of that year until about uh, April of the of the following year, so not even a year. And then I joined a team who was with Keller Williams, and they immediately left Keller Williams and went to EXP. And so that's how I landed at EXP. Oh my goodness! Wow. 
what a journey. So I was with Keller Williams and then went to EXP2. There's a little trend there. We see that a lot. Uh, <laughs> a lot of good learning there. It's kind of kind of cool. And so being on a team is pretty pretty cool to be able to learn. Got yeah, some- I, mean, I learned a lot. I would do the same thing all over again if I had to make the choice. I still would be on that team. I would be on that team. I would learn what to do and what not to do. And I learned a lot of valuable lessons just being on the team as a new agent. So like what? Well, as a new agent, I mean, a lot of new agents come in and you don't really know what to do with yourself or how do you spend your days? What what were those days like early on on the They're team? Structured, which is good because as you know, I'm a hot mess. I'm not very structured. And we had to be in the office at nine, making calls from nine to 11. We had to, you know, and then after that, we could go about our day and do what, whatever needed to be done. And I just did listings. So I had done some buyers previously on my own, but that was a hyper-focused on listings. And I went on usually three listing appointments a day and I was taking between three and seven new listings every week so it was it was intense because she spent a lot of money on uh different types of uh lead sources right they were coming in from everywhere and it was so that alone I mean that's a training that you can't get most anywhere you know right well, and then starting out on the listing side, that's almost like a trial by fire because it's like, wow, a lot of people want to start out on the buyer side, you know, and um, mm-hmm. it's like, well, let's, let's just jump right in and go go after the listings. How did that develop? Because she had always been trying to recruit me and I, I basically said I didn't want to to work with buyers and that was the only way I was going to come over to the team. So, so I made 25% of the 3% at closing, uh, didn't even make 50% of it. Oh, and- wow. It was still a great paycheck. It was steady and I focused on the volume more so than each individual transaction. That's so by doing volume and having leads fed to you. So mm-hmm. the value, part of the value of being on a team and, and help me explain this a little bit because I, I have been on my own. I haven't really been on a team, but I've seen how teams work. Um, you, you give up some of the commission, but you should be getting something in return for that, right? Yeah, give it 75% of it and you also still pay the cap. So it's a lot of money you're giving up. But if you look at it like that, I don't think a team is the the right place for you. You kind of have to look at it like, all right, I'm part of this team. I've got people that can help me. And I'm not looking at each transaction. I'm looking at the bigger picture. How many am I closing a month? You know, and still making a lot of money. Right. So it's your job for sure if you're working with a good team. Right. That makes a difference. One, having the lead flow makes a, makes a huge, huge amount. Uh, in the process now so you were on the team but then you went out on your own right I mean and so you you banked a lot of money you were making big money with that 25% split uh-huh how did uh, you how'd you get rolling on your own well my 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 sponsor and the team leader was let go from the company so from exp so I had a decision to make to kind of you know go with them and do something new or, or stay with the exp so I just decided to call my sponsor sponsor Dan Beer in California and kind of learn about the CSP model. I really didn't want to like change brokerages again. I already had clients and friends and family. Oh, I thought, you know, with Keller Williams. Oh, now you're with the XP. And the last thing I wanted to do was change brokerages every six months. So I said, I'm just going to give this a try. And I had a lot more time back then. I did take some of my listings with me, which was great. So I didn't, I wasn't just out there in barren wasteland. I probably had about 10 listings I took with me. And then um, a couple of buyers, that was that was pretty much it. And um, started going to a lot of the classes in the EXP world. And then also utilizing my sponsor, Dan Beer, because 
I mean, he's amazing. Over 400 transactions a year, over $250 million a year in sales volume. I mean, that's, that's, I can't fathom that, you know? So I had a lot of That's mind blowing in it. It's like, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I really focused, put my focus on uh, the studying part of it when I first went out on my own, really learned the scripts that he had shared with me. Um, and then I really focused in on calling for sale by owners because I did figure out I liked listings a lot and I would prefer to do listings. So I would call, you know, at least 20 people a day, um, wanted to speak to 20 people a day. And that usually yielded me. I wasn't going on the kind of appointments I was previously, but I was still going on two listing appointments a week usually. Right. Pretty good conversion with those. So, so I really put my focus into that and making the calls because I didn't have any other choices. I couldn't pay, I didn't have enough money to pay for Zillow at that time. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this business, I got to do this business. And this is what these successful people have told me to do. Right. Well, and that's what a lot of agents getting started. It's like, okay, either you, you invest time or you invest money. And new agents often don't have a lot of money. They're like, okay, well, I got time. Then how do I maximize the time that I have? And so did you keep the nine to 11 block still when you went on your own? Ish. I mean, um, I still, I focused more on, because, you know, with three kids at home and, and no office, I focused more on talking to those 20 people a day. And then once a week, I would try to talk to a hundred people a day. Now I counted it. If, if I didn't count it, it was a voicemail. I did count it if I texted them and they texted me back. I did count it if they answered the phone and hung up on me because that's still, I spoke to someone. You spoke to them even if they hung up. Exactly. And that helps you not get frustrated because you do get hung up on. Right. It's yeah. inevitable. Are you finding that people are answering their phones more or less now than when you started? Um, I don't make as many calls, but what I've noticed a trend overall with all, almost all my clients is, is everyone prefers to text. Yeah. Where they used to kind of write off the text is, you know, it's a great way out, you know, call, you know, it's a great way to text someone. Hey, I just left you a voicemail. This Clarissa Marshall with EXP Realty. It's like, they won't call you back, but they'll text you back. Hey, I'm at work. We can talk later. Hey, please leave me alone. Hey, I'm not selling or, you know, whatever it is they're going to say. It's a lot easier to do it via text, a lot quicker. So you kind of like the double tag voicemail, text, and then maybe a triple email, like an email as well when you're trying to reach somebody, if you got their email or how do you usually do your tags? Exactly like that. So always call, text, email in that order. Um, call, text, email. And like I said, I have the most success in conversion with text messaging. Really? Interesting. But you got to remember old folks, they're not going to text and old folks have money and old folks have homes to sell and are downsizing. So I, that's why I still always follow that pattern, the call, text, email pattern. And so the call, the impact of the call, when you do reach people, mm -hmm. um, how do the, are you still using the same scripts that you got okay. from Dan Beer? Again, it's the, some are from Dan Beer, some are from Bold, from Keller Williams that or just that work. Um, and I've seen that they work, but I pretty much am down to like, depending on who I'm talking to, three different scripts. There's one for like expires, one for, for sale by owners, and then a buyer. And then one way to help you when you're making this many calls and stuff and the emails is go ahead and have a template. So I have a welcome buyer template that where I've gone in EXP Enterprise, I've downloaded all those buyer forms, everything from the house hunting checklist that's pre-filled. You just gotta stick your picture in there in your info. Um, the buyer roadmap, I have like another welcome buyer FAQ that kind of talks about due diligence, what that is, what that fee means, talks about earnest money, talks about all the different inspections and a likely cost for them. 
So it'll say like septic inspection, $450. So that way a buyer can, can know, okay, I don't have to get any of these things, but if I do, here's the cost. It'll also have a connection with my lender um, and they'll say my direct sell and my assistant. And it's so easy. I just copy and paste it every time. And so, so you've I, got the system built. You, you were saying you don't have a lot of systems, but that's a system. That's a communication system that you're using to leverage time and keep it. But yeah, I guess you're right. Um, and I'm happy to share what I, I'm ha happy to share my welcome buyer email and my like welcome seller template where you can um, customize it towards you. My welcome seller one is a little bit different because it does um, have like my stats in it, my um, uh, like my, some stories that have been written about me. So a lot of new agents can't use that, but you can say um, EXP in Asheville has done this, you know, my, you know, this person, if, if you're working with a partner or, you know, my team, like the people that are, that I are my referral partners that are working for your 50% split, they'll just be like, oh yeah, Clarissa and I are a team. And here's, you just, you build up someone else until you have enough sales to where it sounds good for you, which is right. what I, when I work for that team, I just always deferred and gave um, my team leader all the credit talked built her up talked great about her and it sold her because it's easier to sell someone else than it is yourself a lot of times that's true yeah making being able to sell yourself is uh is a is a part of it so do, do you do role plays and dialing back and forth with other agents getting started i certainly used to i don't i don't really anymore i'm the people that are working in my close circle the three or four referral partners are pretty experienced agents at this point and we kind of, you know, choose to use our time other ways. However, when I was a brand new agent, it, absolutely, because you're going to make mistakes. I mean, I think I was telling you when we were speaking earlier this week, I mean, I've hung up on clients, like hung up on a potential because I messed up the script and I'm like, oh, uh, okay, just hang up. So, I mean, that, that sort of thing happens. You know, I'm like, okay, there was a sp spoke to. Um, so I think role play is important because you just get used to um, sounding normal because scripts sound kind of weird if you're just reading them. But um, Eddie da Donnelly, who used to be the listing agent for the Matt and Molly team, and I was, uh, when I was working with my team, we would, we would call each other every morning at eight o'clock and just be like, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, this is, you know, Eddie Donnelly with Matt and Molly team. How are you doing today? And we just, we'd always, we wouldn't, we'd go straight to the script. We'd never say, how's it going this morning? We just, and then we'd hang up after we're done. And that was one of the most beneficial things. It took about 15 minutes. Just kind of roll through it and reduce yeah. the fear. Exactly. And I mean, he's a very experienced agent and um, I learned a lot from him and the way, you know, his tonality and the things, the way he was saying the different things. It was, it was a really good experience. So that's something easy you can do is find a partner who commits, hey, every morning at eight, eight o'clock or nine o'clock or whatever, I'm going to call you and we're going to, we're going to role play the script that we have. And, you know, it was, it, it was great. Right. Yeah. Some of our uh, mentees are working on the neighborhood farm, just kind of getting another neighbor. And, and so they're pairing up and practicing with getting to know your neighbor calls and seeing what they can find out uh, of building relationships in the neighborhood. Yeah. Smart. So let me ask you this, cause you were saying there are three different, three kinds of agents. I, that, that thing you shared with me, I, that kind of struck me. What you remember the three kinds so, of things you were telling me about? I remember telling this to Tori last year when she first got her license. There's three types of real estate agents. There's the agents that cold call and they they make calls to for sale by owners and expires and they call strangers and ask for business. Second kind of real estate agent is someone who calls their friends, family, 
um, their sphere of influence and asks them for business. Who do you know that wants to buy, sell, or invest? And then there's the third, uh, there's really four, because the third one is somebody who pays for leads and they don't necessarily make calls. They're paying for someone to call them and they want to work with buyers. And the fourth person is someone who doesn't have any money and doesn't uh, make any calls and is in the biz out of the business in three or four months. So there's either after I have the money to buy the leads or you have to, to decide you're not going to be scared of the phone and making calls and either call your friends and family or, you know, call cold call or really successful agents would call everyone, you know, just call everyone. What does that mean? Call your friends, family and strangers and ask for business and don't be scared of being hung up on and don't be scared of somebody saying no, and don't be scared of talking on the phone, you know? Right. How do you see phone and Facebook going together? Are you doing much with Facebook and connecting with folks there as well? So, yeah. So I think I was telling you this as well. I, I use my personal page a lot for business, um, you know, within reason. So I'll post real estate posts on my personal page. Maybe there was a closing, maybe there was a big listing I want to share, but I'll also post things about myself and my family so that someone's not getting inundated with just, God, all this person does is real estate and they don't see a human side of it. Um, but I, that was some advice from Dan Beer in the past to really, I mean, definitely use a business page, have a business page, but at the same time, you're going to get more valid leads from actual people who are friend, friends with you on Facebook. Right. And I thought that to be true. I don't know if I've ever had a valid Facebook lead from my, my marketing attempts, which I do. I use it to, to market my listings and push things out. Um, but it's more like you can target friends of friends. And I know I'm friends with 3000 realtors. So it's likely that their friend sees my listing and then they schedule a showing. So that's the way I, I use that marketing piece. But I've gotten tons of business from a friend messaging me on Facebook. Hey, it looks like you're doing really well. I'd love for you to help me. We're thinking about buying a house or thinking about selling my house. Would you like to come over and take a look? So I would usually utilize Facebook in that manner. And then um, we had spoke about Instagram and how it's not my favorite, but I am starting to use it more. <laughs> biggest subset of buyers right now are these millennials and they're all on Instagram. They don't, they don't even like Facebook. They don't have it. So you've really got to get comfortable at least with putting yourself out there at least to kind of market, even if you're not using it full time. I think it's important to at least post once a week on Instagram, something about buying a home or something about real estate. Right. Well, and it's interesting because it is a different audience than Facebook completely. Mm -hmm. um, but the kind of engagements you get, I mean, and, and really the differences between the stories, um, you know, out of sight, out of mind, you mm -hmm. know, and staying visible and consistently visible. Do you, do you have a routine of how, how you, I know you're not a huge time blocker. You do some scheduling, but what's, what's your flow on social? I see you posting some things and you look like you're having fun and also doing some cool, cool stuff with the, with the marketing on, on the listings as well. Yeah. I mean, I try, I try to do at least have a, a post for each listing when I first take it. Sometimes I get it on there and sometimes I don't. And I'll be honest, this market's a little crazy right now where I even got my drone video back from my videographer and the house is under contract. So I'm not spending as much marketing dollars as I used to, but I still do try to get that listing out there because 30% of contracts fall out at least it's out there, you know, and it makes the seller know that you're working for them as well. So try to, I always spend about a thousand dollars out of the gate on each of my listings. And so I try to keep that fair, even if I get a contract right away or very quickly, but our market is insane right now. But do I have a, um, a routine? No, but should I? Yes. Um, 
I have an assistant and I need to delegate some of those things to her because she started with, she's licensed. So she started putting some of the listings on the MLS. So it wouldn't be that hard at all to make her an admin. Hey, this is just part of your workflow. So I'd encourage someone to do that. If you know, if you have someone already putting on your listings, just have them log onto your business page and and share whatever marketing materials. So no, I just need to get organized, Matthew. You know this. You're organized. You just are flowing. I mean, you you've got this bundle of energy and positivity in people. It's contagious, you mm -hmm. know. And so yeah, I think you are. You don't do the kind of volume you're doing and not be organized, right? No. You, we all could be more organized, yeah? <laughs> I just don't know if organized is the right word. Like I have, um, like that I couldn't do without my assistant. She definitely does all my sky slope stuff and helping more like to get listings on, um, calling photographers, setting them up, things like that. But um, I do a lot of, you know, hands-on customer service is super important to me. And I feel like that's why I have such successful business because of probably 25 to 50% of um, people that I'm helping like this year, the new listing that's going on next week. I mean, that's someone who I sold their house for them last year. And now they have their, the mother pass and they're like, oh, we thought of you immediately because you did such a great job. So I think the more importantly than, you know, I think just being doing a good job for your clients is also going to make you very successful. Right. You know, delivering excellent customer service. So, so we talked a little bit about lead generation, especially on the, on the, on the uh, first part of it, lead conversion is sort of the second part, but then the customer service is pretty critical. And when you mentioned a nugget here that I don't think everybody on, on this call knows, um, 30% deal fallout. It's, it's not unusual to have contracts blow up, go sideways, get weird before you get to the closing table. Talk a little bit about that from your experience. I had two terminate this week. <laughs> And it's only two in one week. <laughs> so I think, yeah, you just have to get to a place. I, I think I told you this too. I expect calamity in real estate. And then I'm pleasantly surprised if it goes right. And that helps you to just keep the focus on, you know, the final, the final goal and to set a good expectation for your clients. I tell all my listing people like, hey, we're not sending every to the fat lady things and, you know, due diligence, even the end of due diligence doesn't mean that it's going to go to closing. Although you could probably start packing after that. I mean, I've had two terminate at the closing table for no. some times. It's the worst. <laughs> um, so you never know. And then you get them back on the market and things happen. But I think like that's the other key to being a successful realtor is you've got to be working for that, that client and knowing that could fall out. You know, how many of us have worked with, you know, a buyer for two years? You're like, the end, I made a dollar an hour, you know? <laughs> but you're you're looking at the bigger picture and then the volume and doing the right thing consistently right and that's a that's a great thing as far as customer service in terms of thinking about how you communicate i mean because you do more listings than buyers you do quite a few buyers it, do you have a communication sequence that you follow from listing to closing well i do a lot more listings than buyers my numbers say i'm about 50 50 but the truth is those are buyer, people I'm splitting um, co-buyer agent with and I'm not really doing anything. <laughs> Very rarely will I take a buyer on just by myself. Um, don't have any desire to. It's not my, my wheelhouse, but um, do I have, the question was about listings. Are you, do I have something I do from start to finish? Yeah, I mean, like, is there a weekly cadence on showing time updates or communication mm -hmm. flow just to kind of that customer service between when you take the listing and when you get to the closing oh. table? What, what do you do there to make, uh, Clarissa's special sauce. All with my sellers every week. So, and I'll, 
you know, some of them I'm like, you don't have to answer the phone. I'll just shoot you a text, but just know you can expect my call every week. Even if I'm calling you just saying nothing's happening, like, here we go. And that can be tough. It can be challenging because a lot of agents don't want to have that conversation. Like, Hey, I had zero showings, looked on reverse prospecting. No one likes it. I think it's overpriced and you don't want to drop the price. And here we are, but it's still important to call them because it's like, you have to think about like when your food, if you're at a restaurant and you can tell like the food has not come out to your table, you waited 30 minutes, how much more likely are you to be pissed if the server is back in the back hiding because she's scared to come out and tell you, hey, we messed up the food once, we're recooking it. Whereas a server who's coming out like, thanks for your patience, I'm so sorry, haven't forgotten about you, this happened. So I just feel like you got to look at it like that. Like that's good customer service in a restaurant and that's good customer service as a listing agent is, you know, I know you're frustrated. I'm still touching base with you. I still care. Um, here's my suggestions. Do, are you ready to drop the price yet? You know, and then I always follow up with an email, especially if it's something where I think it is overpriced because, you know, they'll forget in the three weeks from now, like, you know, I wish you had told me, oh, per my email three weeks ago, it says like, hey, I think this is overpriced. We need a price drop. So, but what we found right now, I'm sure everybody feels like this is if you are selling, I mean, if you price it right, it's gone. It yeah. truly is. But still important to communicate, you know, with buyers, I do have a system set up with do have a system set up. Wow. With Meredith, where as soon as they go under contract and she Meredith's my assistant, she um, I have an email template that I used to use before I had Meredith that said, like, these are the inspections we'd like to order. Please reply back and let me know which ones you you know like to do. Here's the lender's phone number. I already sent him the contract. And then so now Meredith does that. So all those inspections get set up you know, within 48 hours of us going under contract. She'll send the um, contract to the attorney and, and things like that. Make sure the engagement letter gets sent from them. So, cause on the buyer, there's a lot of things to do once right. you under contract. Well, and that starts your professional services disclosure filling in the blanks there too, right? Mm -hmm. And I can send you guys again, the same thing. I can send you what I send all buyers under contract that actually has the professional services disclosure attached. It also has the, the pricing list from quality home consultants and the Q&A about um, home inspections, which they should have already had that, but you still just give it to them again because there's so much paperwork. It can be overwhelming, all the paperwork. So helping to spread it out a little bit and helping them you know, manage the information overload that we all have is, is a good service really for your buyers. For sure. So I remember when we did an open house and open houses are kind of hard with COVID, you have a notebook that you usually have in your listing. So you still do that? Yeah, I sure do. Um, and those are super easy to make. You just go to listreports.com. You partner with your favorite lender. It's free. They give you like, you put in the property address or I think it just extrapolates from the MLS actually. And it, they'll tell you how close the property is to uh, restaurants, to gyms, to parks. Um, so it's a lot of great information. So when a buyer's in the house with their buyer agent and say their buyer agent didn't even print out the MLS sheet, there's the MLS sheet, the deed, the um, residential property disclosure, the MOG, any, any other disclosures, and then all of that really fun information, like how far am I from a grocery store, the GIS aerial and a survey if there is there. So um, that's a super helpful book. And you know, one time recently in Spruce Pine, when I went to go pick up my sign, and the book, the buyer said, man, please keep this. They, you know, they were moved in. And I was like, sure, you know, because I figure when they go to sell, they'll be like, they might forget their agent, but they'll just remember that. So, but I just put them like in little sheet protectors and it's a three ring notebook and leave it at the, at the house for a buyer. I tell my sellers if they're living there, hey, just pull this out. Anytime there's a showing set on the counter. 
it's a handy resource. And those list reports for the folks that haven't seen them, very colorful, and they help you get a sense of how close things are and what the neighborhood neighborhood configuration is like, um, which is which is pretty cool. Now you're getting a lot of momentum. You've got momentum going. I mean, there may be the, the clues for getting started that first year. What was the secret to hitting Icon first year? Because not every, I mean, I don't know what percentage of agents hit Icon and you might even explain Icon a little bit for the, the folks that are new and or not even with EXP. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's a, that's a huge accomplishment and uh, impressive. Yeah, so Icon agent is when you um, you cap and then after you cap, within the same year, you sell 20 additional transactions. So on your 20th one, after you cap, so for most people, I think that's around a ten, the $10 million mark in our market. Every mm -hmm. market is different, obviously, um, if, depending on that. And then the, what EXP does, they give you your um, cap back in stocks if you just do a certain other things that Icon agency, you know, more mentors, that counts as something like giving back. Um, or if you choose to be a teacher in the world, that's another thing you can do. There's a lot of different ways that you can, you can vet other icons, um, trying to think of a few things. That, that part's the easy and fun part. And the hard part is of course, getting that volume of transactions. And so the, um, <laughs> the first year it was really tough. I actually closed three transactions on the very last day I was allowed to before my cap reset. Oh my goodness, that's close. One of them was like at 4.45 and if I hadn't had the best paralegal in the world, it would not close and I would not hit it. And I mean, it was awful, um, but it was a lot of hard work. I mean, it was a lot of doing the things that anybody else wanted to do. And, you know, it's a lot of time and, and sacrifice too. You know, you, you lose time with your family, you lose time with uh, your loved ones and friends sometimes whenever you're working that much. And it's, it's really, it was too much that that first year. Um, and I was going to back up a little bit and try to, you know, take it a little bit easier. So that's why I started adding people to leverage to help me because it's not sustainable otherwise. But I just think when you first start, unless you have a bunch of money, I mean, you're going to have to spend a lot of money and, and really work 75, 80 hours a week if you're really trying to do that. And, you know, even if you work 60 hours a week though, I mean, you would, you're still going to do better than the agent who's working 20 and going out for coffee and, and drinks every night and yada, yada. Right. And so launching onto the phone, setting appointments. Um, I mean, having, having the habits of lead generation appointment setting, you know, sounds like really helped prepare the way, boy, that paralegal should be on the payroll for the long term, getting you through that deal <laughs> first year. Yeah. She's great. Bree at, at uh, well, she's with Gooseman and Rose now, but I love her. Good, good to good to have good relationships with the paralegals and when you're thinking about your relationship networks you know building that uh referral network because i know you've got a you've got a sheet that you provide of the providers for lenders and closing attorneys and other services what's important for folks to as you identify potential resources so it's most important that they're going to be the best for the client so that's why i always use the exact same home inspector um and he's, you know, what's funny enough is I helped him buy the piece of property that he's now building his house on. My surveyor, who I recommend, I just sold two homes for him last year. So you start to really build those relationships and look, so look for people that are going to give you business back, but don't let that be the defining thing. Cause I was already using them knowing they would do a good job before. And it's just reciprocal. 
But if you know of someone that already has, hey, they're using Clarissa Marshall and they're going to refer all their business to her, there's someone else out there that's good that would be committed to you. You're going to give them business, they're going to give you business. So it shouldn't be the reason why you choose those people. You choose them because you trust them. But you should, there's more than enough people out there where I changed insurance agents. I loved him. He'd, he'd always been my, but I found out that he was always giving business to um, another large team in this area. And that just means he's never going to give any to me. So I found another uh, insurance partner who does a wonderful job who doesn't already have a realtor that they're referring people. So we're back and forth. It's important. That's a good thing. I mean, thinking about insurance and, and lenders as well. You know, it's one of those deals where it's like, okay, it'd be nice to have a little back and forth here. If I'm bringing you all this business, you know, you don't necessarily expect it. But at some point, if you're bringing enough business to them, at some point, they would consider sharing That's some for business. That goes back to, I've done it. My accountant is another one. When I was interviewing accountants, I said, do you have a real estate agent that you are regularly referring your clients to if they ask? Um, and he was like, no, I'm like, well, great. Can I be that person for you? And I'll, I'll refer you business as well. He said, yep. I'm like, great. So there, there's another one. Um, so think about all the service providers that, you know, not just for your clients, but for yourself, you know, where you take your car, where you buy your car. I was handing out my card. I just bought a truck like three months ago, the GMC de dealership and talk to the gal, you know, do you have a realtor? She's like, no, all right, great. Here's my card. I'm going to buy this truck from you and give me some of your cards. And it's just, again, that goes back to um, constantly asking for business and building up your, your sphere. So think about, you can just brainstorm on all the different services you use, your dry cleaning person, your, um, the, your pharmacist, your doctor, um, your accountant, your, um, my guy, Edward Jones, like I use the guy that works out of Burnsville because I've known him for so long and he gives me business. So all, all types of service providers, not just the ones we provide to our buyers on that sheet, but also, you know, as, as we live and work and, and spend our money. So that's a great question. I, one of the things I want to start doing is tell the audience to write that down. What was the question you ask your service provider? Do you already have a partner, a real estate agent? I have a real estate agent that you regularly refer business to should one of your other clients ask. Um, and then if they say, they'll say yes. I mean, they're very genuine. That's why I that's why I knew to change insurance people. But um, <laughs> they're like, okay, well, great. I would love to, you know, us work together. I'll give you business, and I would love for you to do the same. Here's some of my cards in case when your clients ask. We just, you know, have these in your drawer, and they do. I mean, I love it. Write that down, people. That's a success clue right there. There've been several success clues dropped. I'm I'm thinking you guys are probably getting quite a few out of this out of this process for sure. Um, you got selected to go out to San Diego this year, I guess. Before was it before COVID? That was a pretty big deal too, right? What you what did you learn out there? Because you went from being you were tote that first year icon. You were an individual agent, being an icon without an assistant, just busting it out, eighty hours a week. Mm -hmm. But the second year as icon, it wasn't that bad. So the second year as icon, I I made icon like six months before my cap reset. So. Ooh. It was a lot um, different experience. And then this year, the same thing, like the third time around up. So I still have five more months back then. I still had six more months before my cap reset. So it's, it, that was just an unusual hard year because half of the time, more than half the year I'd been on that team. So your cap structured differently. So I had right. paid in this. So I had to choose to like, do I want to, if I want to go for icon, I had to basically, even though I was only making 25% of those deals, that's why I had to work so much harder to get to Icon because mm -hmm. it was split between someone else, you know, if that 
makes any sense. It does. The way that they do it. Like, yeah. So if you do a transaction with another EXP agent, so pretend you and I have a transaction together and we're 50-50 split. We also split 50-50 our transaction fee, our cap fee, like all those things. So, so where it takes 20 transactions to get to ICON after you cap as an individual, if you are a, you know, splitting everything with someone else, you're going to have to do 40 transactions because each transaction only counts as half. Right. So that's why that was such a hard um, year, that one year. But man, I was just determined because I was just determined I did it. <laughs> <laughs> and you did, and you keep rolling with it. But, and what people may not understand on the call is you get, so essentially when you cap, beyond the other side of cap and an icon, you get the stocks back, you're, you're in a hundred percent commission, essentially retroactive, right? Yeah, you get a hundred percent commission. And um, what's crazy now with the stocks, I mean, in the past three years, I'm no other brokerage. I mean, I just checked mine the other day. I'm well over $300,000 in, um, in stocks, which is amazing. It's a great, um, and most of those are awards. Most of them are either between the icon award or sponsor awards or closing your first deal or all those things. Success clues, write that down, people. Stock. And definitely if you're not doing the program where you can take 10% of your commission or wait, 5% of your commission and buy a 10% discount, I would highly encourage you to do that because you don't even miss it. And it's just like that, that stock you can sell right away. And so um, I know that first year, like at Christmas time, I hadn't checked that the whole time and uh, ended up selling like $40,000 just in time for Christmas. And that was, that was stuff that I bought at a discount, but it was huge. I mean, that's just a huge extra value add that EXP has. It's a great, it's a great windfall. It really is. And I mean, I think there's a mindset shift of, I mean, beyond being shareholders, I was talking to uh, Rich Tomasini, who's going to be our upcoming guest week after next. And um, the mindset's different when you're partners, your shareholders together, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. You're just so proud of your company and you're so grateful. It does change. You know, a lot of people are like, eh, meh, about their brokerage. And I think they, they make fun of us as EXP agents for being like so exuberant and like over the top when, and, oh, you guys are always trying to recruit. But I think it's honestly that we're just so excited. And it's like, we can't believe that our company's so great. And it's like, we're not really trying to recruit. We're just genuine, you know, about right. it. I mean, I'm sure there are people that are like that, but um, I do. I get excited when I talk about the company and it makes it easy too when you're at a listing appointment and someone says, oh, I've never heard of EXP. Like tell me about your brokerage. It's like, you can roll right into it. Absolutely. We're publicly traded on the NASDAQ. We're the fastest growing real estate brokerage in America. We're in all 50 States and across, you know, across the world at this point. But it's so exciting because you'll start to read more about the company when you are vested in the company. Yeah. Like, Every morning I'm checking my stocks like, oh, look what the they're doing, you know. Um, so it's good when you're, like I said, to know about your brokerage whenever someone who, you know, the brokerage name is important to some list for some sellers, you know. Right. It makes a difference. So you're moving from being Clarissa, the individual to Clarissa, a team that's kind of got a little bit of a hybrid model mm -hmm. um, where you've got an assistant, you've got some buyer splits that are going on. Um, and then you got that invite out to San Diego that was mind-blowing, game-changing. Mm -hmm. uh, speak a little bit about the growth of you as a leader from being an individual agent to in three years getting ready to really build an awesome team. Yeah, so I, I had a really bad taste in my mouth from being on that team. 
because it wasn't, like I said, I would still do it all over again, but it wasn't the greatest experience. Um, so I always said, I would never want to be on a team. I never want to build a team. I don't want to be part of that. I just want to do my own thing and like not have to worry about it. But then as you get busy, you have a choice to make. So then I started thinking about what could I do? I'm like, well, I know I'll just partner with people and they'll do the work and give me 50% and they can still keep their own name. They keep their own listings and keep their own clients. They don't have to give anything else to me. Um, and it, and it has worked for a, for a time period. Um, but then when I went out to San Diego, I just realized that it was time for me to, you know, put on my big girl pants and stop, stop judging someone else's experience for what I can create. And, and so came back from San Diego and I bought an office downtown Asheville and it's been, we're, you know, again, I'm hot mess. So it's been slow and you're, you know, the business right now you're drinking from a fire hose. So I'm doing what I can as I can. I still need to take the classes in the EXP world. But I do have somebody who's ready to be my BIC, which I'm excited about that because you have to have your own BIC when you advertise your office. Um, and I do have um, three really awesome individuals who are ready to sign up and be full on, you know, buyer agents, be full on team players. So that's, that's exciting. exciting. And so the San Diego, was that part of the Daniel Beer Be Different Mastermind group or what was the group that uh, put that together? Yeah, some of the, I mean, they're the... Jake Kinder is the best real estate agent, in the, I think, in the world. He used to be with 3MX. He's amazing. He, um, he's my sponsor's sponsor. Um, Kyle Whistle had the biggest indie brokerage ever before coming to EXP. He was there. Um, so I was just like, I was the lowest producing person there. And I just felt like, you know, I'm just going to be real quiet and listen to these people. And so I did. And I learned so much. It was like, I was so honored that they, you know, invited me and but it's because they, they see that and listening to the guy, like this one guy, Jeremy Larson and I, he, he and I had very similar numbers um, in 2019 and uh, like almost identical in volume and in, in sales volume and in units. And that at the end of 2019, he decided to go ahead and build his team. Long story short, he went to 35 million and I stayed in 2020 at 20 million. And so while I had more time and that was important to me, I, I should have just done what they said all along and I could have probably almost doubled my business too. Wow. So we'll see what this year holds if I can pull it together and get this team up and running. <laughs> well, those are good success clues for sure. Thank you for sharing that. I know we're coming up about on the about 15 more minutes and want to open up for questions. I know the audience has been sitting on their hands, muting themselves, and I'm sure there are some great questions out there that everyone would love to ask. You want to drop it into chat? I see a chat. Let me get in there. Uh, I got a question. Am I icon or close? I'm about to cap, but I'm not an icon yet. I want to be an icon when I grow up. So once you cap, then it starts over that part. You want you to get 20 transactions that are 100% yours, not referrals. So referrals actually, even though that person did nothing, if it's an EXPN referral, that's only going to be a 0.5. Half of half of the one that you need. Gotcha. The referrals slice it down. Uh, Zillow. How do you feel about Zillow, and how do you convert Zillow buyers? Yeah, I have a lot of success with Zillow, so I'm not a Zillow hater like a lot of people. Um, a lot of people have dropped off using Zillow after they have done this, you know, whatever became a brokerage themselves. Um, I find that Zillow buyers are ready, willing, and able. One thing that I do to convert those buyers is. I go to meet them at the house and I have a whole buyer packet ready for them. The same one that I send out to my welcome buyer email, I have it all printed. 
as well as all of the MLS data sheets. And I know at least three different Zillow buyers that were habitual agent using habitual different agents. They never called another one after me. And they told me, Hey, it was because you showed up and you had this folder and you like seem to know your stuff. Whereas a lot of these Zillow buyers are, um, or buyer agents are just, you know, going to the one house and leaving at that, you know, that's a, that's a continual conversation. When I get a call for a request on a property, always ask the, the buyer, are there any other properties you'd like to see today? And it's very telling because they'll, either they'll say, sure, here are the addresses or, uh, yeah, but I'm actually already meeting all the, these other different agents of these properties. And I'm like, oh, okay, great, great. So then we're not going to meet because, you know, I, I'm going to need you to work with me. So that's a good question to ask. Um, also don't waste your time. Like I said, ask, ask the Zillow buyer, have you been working with an agent? So that's one of the most important questions up front to ask, right? Yeah. But I think Zillow buyers are easy. Like I said, it's easy to get them. A lot of them pre-approved already. Um, they just have not committed to an agent. So it's, it's just getting them to commit to you and showing that you're a professional they want to work with. So let me, I'm going to back up to a success clue. You not only have a listing presentation, but in a sense, you have a buyer packet and presentation too, right? Oh, absolutely. And that's all somebody asks where you find the templates. They're all in EXP enterprise under the marketing tab. And then you'll, there's buyer agent stuff. There's open house stuff. There's listing presentations. Um, and I use all of those. I don't have anything that I've created myself. I use all of theirs. Um, and that's where also you can find my buyer agent consultation is straight from ESP Enterprise. It's the one that you can download on your computer. So I'll go meet a, a buyer at a coffee shop and use that. We'll just go through the PowerPoint on my computer. So I'm not wasting a ton of paper with that. But so yeah, it depends on which buyer type I have. The buyer process wheel is also pretty cool. I mean, the graphics in there, I was really impressed when I first joined EXP. I was like, man, these resources are good looking, you know? And I didn't feel like I had to recreate anything. Yeah, why, why let, I don't want to spend my time doing that. You just upload your picture and your info and like done. And it's all part of what we're paying for with EXP, you know? And go ahead and, um, oh, look at that guy. I would go ahead and do, you know, have them ready. Have some in your car, have some, you know, at your office, if you have one or at home, have them already printed out though, because you just never know when that buyer is going to be like, I want to go see this house right now. And you just grab it, you know? How do you produce them? Do you put them in little folio things or what do they look like? So for the buyer packets, I buyer do, packets. I just use those. Um, I don't use the hard folders, but like the little ones that have pockets and little Brad, what are those things called? I do three hole punches and all of that, put them in there with like a sample 2T with the working with real estate agents. So it's all in there together, all the required forms. And then also the, the stuff from EXP. So when they, when you put buyer agents in front of them, you can check off. They've already seen the, the working with real estate. I mean, they've seen all these forms because it's in that packet and they right. got a hard copy too. Yeah, exactly. The other thing you can do with Zillow buyers is say, I've got this disclosure. It sounds like you've already looked at some homes before. So I'm, I'm sure you've seen it. I'm just need to sign it. And they'll be like, I've never seen that before. And you'd be surprised. You can actually win a buyer over from sharing the working with real estate agents brochure, you know, and explaining it to them. That's amazing. Uh, great question from Rebecca, Clarissa. How many clients do you convert from Facebook real estate groups with agents that recommend you in the Asheville area referrals? Big yeah. part of business and uh, workplace and beyond, I'm sure, with other agents. Not many. So I find that the same people are always getting their like, little cheerleading squad. 
you know, uh, Five Inch Cherry gets a lot, Bill DeVore and that Molly group. Um, but I've asked Bill, because he's a friend of mine, what are you doing to get all these people to say your name? And he said that when he didn't have any business, he started searching real estate agent out that were hanging out in the group, finding out where they lived. And then he would sit on Facebook. And as soon as they saw like whatever Ohio, he looked at his thing, he would tag the guy and be like, I highly recommend. Well, he did this for, you know, a long time with the, with he said three or four months, he would spend hours a day or at night doing this, learning where these people lived and then tagging them. And that's why they tag him back. Oh, wow. So he was giving before he got do it. You know, the, the couple times I'll get tagged, I get like, you know, drowned out. That is not a great way to look at business unless I said you have time like Bill did. Um, but what's funny is I won't say who, one wasn't Bill, but uh, one person that gets tagged in there all the time, I mean, and literally does no business whatsoever, um, like a 120th of what, you know, my volume, but she was, she had a referral in and from that Facebook and I ended up, he, he fired her and, and I ended up, somebody else recommended me like here in Asheville. So it was just funny. I, I don't know. I wonder how many of those actually work out with people who are. The referrals. Know, yeah. And that's the thing about referrals in general, not all of them work out, you know, but there are a lot of people are asking about workplace because you get mentioned on workplace at EXP a lot. Honestly, referrals with work with EXP, I'll share my experience. I mean, the where I was before, I was there about five years. And in one year at EXP, I got more referrals. Just saying in one year than I did all five years. I mean, do it the same way that Bill DeVore, you probably could do that on workplace too. Just find somebody who's always on workplace. Um, the people that have tagged me though, I'll be honest, because when I joined EXP, there was only like 15 agents here and no and one was on Bill, You're the only one, right? So no one was on workplace. So I just got in there and I was actually, I made myself get the alerts. Then I did a good job for those people. And then now they tag me. So all the people that tag me are actually people I've done referrals with. Um, and now I've got enough referrals where they're just call it like, you know, I've got a really big team in Raleigh that I partner with they'll just call me. They don't even bother posting on work chat now. Um, so that, but I wouldn't, if you have the time, go in a workplace and find somebody who's active in the referral group, you'll see them and just be like, Hey, I'm in Asheville. Love to partner with you. We, if you know, I'll tag you when you, when somebody's moving there and, and you do the same, we could be partners. So I imagine that would, um, that would work, you know? Well, and you could even build relationships with them to try to send them business and maybe send them a postcard every so often just to kind of, you know, keep the out of sight, out of mind thing mm -hmm. um, from, from happening to you. Yeah, it's all, it's all about relationships, though, whether they're, you know, via Facebook or, or workplace and maybe never even meet the person, you know, but, um, but that's probably, like I said, because I was one of the first people in EXP and not only that, but one of the first ones in the workplace because like no one even got in workplace at first. That's wild. So. The value of being an early adopter and building relationships, pretty, pretty cool. But I mean, but it's not to say there's enough referrals go around. Like I do not get all of them anymore. And I've got my partners already set up now. And, you know, it is what it is. Like you said, not everyone is a match and I haven't gotten every single referral I've been tagged in. It's just, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. What do you, how do you feel about your close ratio or what, what's your typical close ratio on listing appointments? And also buyer appointments. I mean, what what do you what do you generally expect in your model as far as close ratios from contact to close? Well, when I used to make calls, I would say I would get twenty five to fifty percent 
would convert to a listing after my appointment when I was cold calling. So that should be your expectation because that's a little bit tougher. You're going to sell yourself. You don't know the person. They don't know you. Um, you're a newer agent. So you should expect 25 to 50. But now um, if it's a referral, I mean, it's almost a guaranteed thing, right? And if it's somebody who calls me from like a client referral, a past client, it's, you know, it's 90% chance that I would get it. Uh, the only reason would be like, oh, they decided not to sell or. Right. But yeah, I mean, I did compete with um, somebody who's very talented at um, Sotheby's for a listing that was an EXP referral in. And um, she's actually the number one agent in our MLS. And I got the listing. And that was something that Rob, um, Rob Turk, he actually tagged me when he saw the referral. And I said, well, let's just split it. I ended up getting this $2.5 million listing from it. Um, so yeah, that's why it's important to look at the bigger picture. If you can partner with someone more experienced, for a time, it's gonna get you from point A to point B way faster. You know, fifty percent is more than zero percent. It's multiplying by zero is no fun. Tanya was asking, you partner with people to list. It sounds like you do. Um, I do, just depending on what's going on. If I have the bandwidth, I'm not going to take something that's overpriced, um, or if the seller's like unreasonable. A lot of times, if it's a listing agent, a company, I don't have the bandwidth right now. So that's it. Works out a lot with for uh, another partner you know, like Bob for in, in, in that example, that's a listing agent company showing and he's committed that he will go to all the showing. So I don't have to, because I don't have time to take on some of those. So I think it depends is the answer. Yeah. And with luxury, the expectation of being there for every showing is a lot higher, right? Oh, it's yeah, it's hundred percent, you know, anything over really anything over a million. I think that's the expectation. Good to know. More questions. You only co-list with EXP? You're only allowed to co-list with EXP because remember the listing is with the brokerage and that's right. why you can co-list with me. Yeah, and the listings um, is with the firm and not the person. So you you can't co-list with somebody from Keller Williams or whatever. Now they could uh, refer to you. Like I actually have a partner who works for Keller Williams that doesn't want to work that much anymore, but she doesn't want, she's very successful. So she'll she'll get calls all the time She'll give me the listing 50%. I give her back. She doesn't do anything. She's so we're kind of co-listing for using my name and her, you know, her clients are talking to her and to me. So it's interesting. You just have to be careful when you do something like that to make sure the clients understand that you're their agent right. and that this other person's receiving a referral fee. So that's technically a referral, not a co-listing, right? It is a referral because you can't list with two different firms. So yeah. right. What other questions? We're almost at the top of the hour. Got time for one more question, you guys out there. She's getting ready to go to another appointment. I'm so happy that we were able to spend this hour with Clarissa. It's hard to get um, to catch up with her. She's moving so fast with her new office and the new team in development. And you guys can come by there anytime. Please come see me. I'm downtown. So. Walnut. Tell us where it is and tell us how to reach you best. It's eight. It's eighty-four West Walnut Street. It's in the condo above the barber shop. Um, and then best is to text me to set up a time at eight two eight seven seven four six three four three. And like I said, anybody who's new, if you want to come sit and watch the spaz in in motion, you're welcome to come and sit with me and follow me around. I don't care, but um, just understand what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> a lot of a lot of energy, a lot of positivity. So if you if you were to identify your superpower, mm -hmm. since I you know what do you think your superpower is, um, as as a, as like, a rock? Probably like talking to people. 
you know, and helping people. So I, I'm great with uh, conversing with people and reading their emotions and seeing and knowing how to, you know, I can see if something's going south. <laughs> um, and then it's all ties back into like the whole customer service piece. Yeah, that's good. I can, I can agree with that. I know energy and positivity are also some super, super things. Somebody asked about, are you still doing commercial? Um, I am, but it just, I haven't joined the commercial division yet because I think it actually requires um, some additional classes. And there was something going on this week, but I didn't find out about it till yesterday. So if you guys are interested in commercial, I do know this week that they're, they're doing a long, you sign into the world and log in and learn about it. It's a little bit higher cap you're going to pay for commercial. I think they're paying 22 instead of 16. Um, and that, but it does include a ton of stuff that I was paying out of pocket. So it's really stupid of me not to join it because paying for CoStar out of pocket is $17,000 a year. Whereas I could just join the XP commercial division. I'll get CoStar for not for free, but so that extra cap, it makes sense to do that. Cause that's a lot of money, you know? So it's some great things. I've heard awesome things about the commercial division. Um, I am still selling commercial, but I haven't joined up yet and I need to. So thanks for the nudge. <laughs> good, good, good question. I, yeah. Well, I talked to one of my commercial buddies and he's all commercial and he said, I just been so busy doing deals. I haven't had a chance to, to make the uh, make the jump into the commercial side so it's it's it is a pretty big jump I mean there's a pretty big commitment there but you, yeah. what you get for the money it's good yeah. right do commercial you just need to find a specialty like I don't do all commercial I don't do leases um I want to just stay in my my scope of understanding so I really understand and get investment properties cap rates um I understand the short-term vacation rental market and uh you know huge apartment buildings. I can do that if it's a sale. Zero desire to do leases. I'm referring that out. Um, if it's retail, it depends. Really, I wouldn't feel comfortable taking on a whole strip mall, but I right now I have listed a, in the, like a, an individual retail shop. So just really be careful if you're doing commercial that it, it just take, refer it if you have no idea what, what to do with it, you know. Good call. Open houses. You still open for assistance with open houses? You doing any open houses? What's your what's your view on open houses? Last question. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. Call anytime. I got. I did an open house last weekend. I have an agent doing uh, one for me this weekend. So definitely, um, anytime you guys want to do it, say here's my open house. Come see me. In marketing your listings, you you good with uh, agents marketing your listings at EXP on the EXP team? Call, call them yours and sell them. Fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Clarissa Marshall, thank you so much for your time today. Matthew Ledford, MatthewLedford.com for the recording, because those of most people on the call know. Um, lots of great stuff happening. Thank you for being my first guest on the success. Yeah, you're here, Rich. So thank you so much, Matthew. And thanks so much to you guys. Thanks, guys. Have a thank great you. Don't forget thanks to love so your next project, people. See you soon. Bye.